Gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 17. Jesus has been speaking with his disciples, and this is what happens next. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, They saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. In these moments, we ask, O Lord, that you silence every voice within ourselves but your own, that we might be solely attentive to you, what you would have us hear and know about who we are and who you are, that we might be refreshed and renewed in our faith, walk out into this world with hope. Speak to us in such a way, we pray, through Christ. Amen. So today is Transfiguration Sunday. We celebrate this Sunday always right before the beginning of Lent. We do that because it's in the Transfiguration story that Jesus first starts to talk about His coming death as a way of preparing the disciples. So we do it on this day to help prepare us for the season of Lent that we might then reflect throughout that season on the power of the cross, what it means for us, what it means for our faith. That's the idea. It's a strange word, transfiguration. It comes from the Greek word metamorpho, which basically means metamorphosis or to transform. In other words, You might say that Jesus is a transformer, which to a kid is great news because they know what that means, you know. What's Jesus going to transform into? Car? Dump truck? I know He's going to transform into a spaceship so that He can go to other planets and do Jesus stuff there too. That's what the imagination of kids do, right? We can let our imaginations run wild with the ideas of what Jesus the transformer means. And I think part of the beauty of this story is to allow us to, in fact, to do that. Let our imaginative minds run with what happened on that mountain because we really don't know what happened. Not really. 
I mean, the Gospels give us some clue. They say Jesus' clothes became dazzling white, you know, which makes me think of a Tide commercial. They give us a clue, but they really don't say much at all. It's not much to go on. No, we have to, we have to imagine. What we do know is that whatever happened up there was quite mysterious. We also know that it was traumatic for the disciples. The reason I can say that is because the, the, the Gospels start to differ with how the disciples react to this experience they had on the mountaintop. They start to kind of part ways. Oh, they get all the basic facts right, but the order of it kind of gets all jumbled up. And that's one of the signs that something traumatic has happened. When something traumatic happens, people tend to walk away with a little bit of a different story as to actually what went on. That's what's going on here. They start to differ about the time that Peter says, this is good stuff, let's build a house for you and Moses and Elijah. And from that point on, the Gospels kind of part ways. The next thing Mark records in his version is that right after Peter says that, he says, Mark says that Jesus didn't know what to tell them because they were terrified. So in Mark's version, Jesus intentionally stays silent. Then the cloud comes in Mark, and that's when God's voice, this is my son. Luke's a little different. Luke has the cloud come while Peter is speaking. And in Luke's version, the disciples just end up walking around confused and afraid in this cloud. In Matthew's version we just read, like Luke, the cloud comes while Peter is speaking but then the next thing is God's voice. God's voice comes first. It's not until the disciples hear God's voice that they then cower in fear. So the disciples, I mean the Gospels differ a little bit. But there's one place where Matthew's Gospel stands out above the others. There's one place where Matthew captures something that the others do not. Here we have the disciples all kind of cowered in, in this fearful, paralyzed state. And unlike Mark, where Jesus says nothing, unlike Luke, where Jesus basically does, doesn't do much more, Matthew makes sure to tell us that Jesus walks up to the disciples and says to them, get up. Don't be afraid. Get up. I love that line. Get up. Don't stay put. Keep moving. Get up. Almost as if to say, you can do this. It sounds kind of like a pep talk, like in the middle of this mysterious, traumatic moment. The disciples are paralyzed, and Jesus comes in to help them get up, telling them to do that very thing. Get up, he says. You can do this. Same kind of stuff we tell our kids, right? When they fall down on the soccer field, and after we realize that they're not hurt, you know, we'll say, get up. You can do it. Don't be afraid. 
they struggle in school, what do we say to them? Stick with it. I know you can do this. It'll come to you eventually. Get up. When they come home and their feelings have been hurt or their hearts have been shattered, what do we do? We wrap them up in our arms. We say, you don't have to be afraid. You are loved. You can get back up. That's what Jesus is doing in Matthew's version of this story. Get up, he says. And the more you read it with that kind of lens, through that kind of window, the more you start to wonder, who's the one that's being changed here? Who's the transformer? Is it Jesus or is it actually us? I actually think Matthew will say that it's us, that this is a story about us. The reason I say that is because more than either of the other Gospels, Matthew painstakingly tries to tie this mountaintop experience to the mountaintop experience of Moses oh so long ago. In fact, Matthew's been trying to do that from the very beginning of his gospel until now. As one scholar puts it, Matthew's story is Moses-shaped. Moses-shaped. Just like how Moses was born under the death sentence of Pharaoh, so Jesus was born under the threats of Herod. Just like Moses received the law on Mount Sinai, Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount. Just like Moses translates in the, the commandments in Deuteronomy, Jesus translates the law in a new way. You've heard it said, he tells them, but today I say to you, just like Moses' face was shining when he came down from the mountaintop experience with God. Matthew has Jesus' face shining like the sun. In the very beginning, Matthew has been bombarding us with images of the Moses story to remind us that this is about us, that we are the ones to be changed here. And he does that all the way up until the moment God speaks in this story. Because back in Moses' story, the people see what's happening on the mountaintop, and it is no bueno. This is not good. They see the lightning, they hear the thunder, they see the smoke, and it frightens them to a cowering position, you know, and Moses comes down from the mountains, they say to him, they say, well, you can speak to us, Moses, we'll listen to you, but, but if God speaks to us, surely we will die, they say. That's very similar to the experience that's going on in our reading just a moment ago on this mountaintop. God speaks, and I have no doubt that the disciples have that very same image of so long ago, surely we will die, they must be thinking to ourselves to themselves. Surely we will die as they cower, but Matthew will have none of it. He makes sure to tell us, remind us, assure us 
that Jesus walks up to them, places his hand on their shoulder. Get up, he says. Get up. Don't be afraid. At least in this version of the story, more than the other Gospels, Matthew wants to be sure we know that in Jesus Christ, God gets personal. I can't think of a more powerful way to help remove our fear than through the power of the simple touch of another human being. It can transform you. You know, there's a, seems to be a lot to be afraid of in our world these days. What do we do about it? Well, in the story, we we learn about how Jesus tries to prepare his disciples for what's to come next. And I believe God is using this exact same story to help prepare us today. Yes, for the season of Lent, so that we might reflect on the power of the cross, the life of Jesus Christ, what it means to us, yes, but also for the year ahead. I personally believe that this is going to be a very tough year for all of us, and I'm an optimist. (laughs) So here's what I want you to do. When the sun comes up tomorrow morning, get up. Don't be afraid. When it seems like the news can't get any worse, get up. Don't let it stop you. When life seems to be weighing you down in a way that you feel like it's never weighed you down before for whatever reasons you feel weighed down when you do, keep getting up. Find whatever you can within yourself to get up and get up again because here's the beautiful part that our youth so wonderfully reminded us of last week. That if you can find it in yourself to to get up and go out into your day, you will discover in ways large and small that you are not alone. I want you to picture the hand of Jesus Christ being placed on your shoulder along with those powerful words. Get up, he says. Don't be afraid. You know, after he said that to the disciples, he sent them down the mountain. May we, like them, come back down off of this mountaintop experience, refreshed and renewed. May you be infused with the kind of hope that no tomb in this world can ever hold shut. And may your face shine like the sun.
Amen.